Welcome to the Bookworm Collective. This episode, we'll be introducing the collective and sharing our reading goals for this year. Before we dive into sharing our reading goals, uh, we thought we should introduce ourselves. So I am Anderson. Uh, I'm a junior in high school. Um, I do a lot of clubs such as Science Olympiad. Uh, I'm in the drama club. I also do a lot for uh, the band. So I'm in pep band, marching band. We do a concert band competitions and then we also play in the pit for the musical for the drama club department so that's always fun to do as well uh so yeah and then i also have done another podcast called the bookworm in space which is now transformed into the bookworm collective the bookworm in space originally talked about books and space either alternating or we would talk about space history, but uh, we decided to, well, I decided to transform it into this, and I asked uh, the person that you're going to hear next if they would like to join me uh, on this journey of the Bookworm Collective, so yeah. So as Anderson had mentioned, this was originally the Bookworm in Space, and then he kind of decided to bring me along and uh, change it to the Bookworm Collective, so I am Harrison, I'm Anderson's brother, and um I'm a couple of years after college and am currently working as a software engineer. So I do quite a few uh, different things outside of um, reading and work. You know, I do a lot of audio video work. I work a lot with theaters and um, I also have a family. So I've got a wife and one kid. And so, yeah, outside of reading, that's kind of just like a high level of everything that I do. And uh, my wife and I actually have another podcast called Meeting Baby H, where we just talk about um, what we're doing to raise our kid and just a little bit more about our family. Yeah. So going into that, we wanted to start by sharing our reading habits because everybody reads very differently. And it's just a little helpful to know how we read, you know, before you get into this podcast. So Anderson, how did you really get into reading? So the main way that I got into reading was with Harry Potter. So when I was younger, maybe in fourth or fifth grade, I always dreaded reading because it was something that we were required to do for the school with this accelerated reading program that we had to go through. Um, and I just dreaded it all the time. But then on the way back from a family vacation, my parents wanted me to listen to part of the first book, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and I really enjoyed it. So when we got home, I decided to open up the first book, and I read through the entire series in about a month. After that, in fifth grade, I decided to set an accelerated reading goal of 400 points in the year. So the way that the accelerated reading program works is that you read a book, and then you take a quiz over it, and then that book is worth a certain amount of points depending on how well you did on that quiz. So by completing that goal of 400 points in the year, I was able to read a lot of books of varying genres and to get to that point. And that also helped me figure out what kind of books I really did like to read. I think that unfortunately, a lot of people get this feeling with reading from school where they like feel pressure to read these books and then suddenly they don't like it. And then, you know, hopefully 
at some point in time in their life, they kind of realize that reading can be fun and that there are a lot of benefits to reading, you know, outside of just an educational standpoint. But for me, you know, I also have a very similar story. I started really interested in reading and it was something that was really big to me and I did all the time. But I think when I was about fourth or fifth grade, I had a teacher that was adamant that we had to finish a book that was within our reading level at least once a week. And for me, I had a higher reading level. So it was causing me to read like these massive books every single week. And I ended up needing to read things that were just not enjoyable to me at all. So then I just, it just became in my mind that I didn't enjoy reading. So I kind of fell out of it towards middle school. It wasn't until high school that I kind of started reading a little bit more. And the way that I found time to add it into like my schedule was to do it through audiobooks. And I found that I enjoyed that a lot more. And it also could make tasks that I didn't necessarily enjoy significantly more enjoyable. So now I read all the time. Um, primarily when I read, I prefer audiobooks. That's like 99% of the books that I read is on Libby, which is kind of like a digital library um, platform. And then, or I do stuff through Audible. And so I do audiobooks because I can read my books and get through content while I'm doing tasks that maybe I don't enjoy or just I have the ability to also listen. So I do it a lot when I'm doing tasks around the house or maybe when I'm on my way to work. And that's how I finish most of my books. I actually have a very hard time finding time in my schedule to sit down and actually read. If I do, though, I tend to go with a digital book before a physical book. Yeah, so I am kind of the opposite from Harrison. I really prefer physical books over digital or audiobooks. That is mainly because for audiobooks, I really struggle concentrating on them because I I want to do a task that requires more of my attention, so I'm never actually focusing on the actual book. So I never actually pay attention to what's going on, and then when I am actually paying attention, I'm confused because I don't remember what is going on in the story. I can read digital books, but I always struggle with remembering what the actual book is talking about, mostly because if I am reading a digital book, I am reading it on my iPad, and I do a lot of stuff for all of the other clubs that I'm in on my iPad as well, and then I just get distracted by that. So I can read digital books sometimes, but normally it takes me longer to read them compared to physical books. And with physical books, the main appeal for me is that it's the easiest way for me to make sure that I am always reading without a distraction because with a physical book, there's nothing else that'll pop up to distract you from that. With reading, I have discovered some of my favorite books, and I'm sure Harrison has had a ton of new favorite books from when he was younger doing this accelerated reading program. One of my favorite tr trilogies that I found out that I really liked last year was called the Scythe Trilogy. I'm sure Harrison will talk about it too, but the plot was very intensive and all of it kind of linked together without you realizing how those little things would play out in the end. Yeah, the Scythe Trilogy is really good. I believe it's written by Neil Schusterman, and it's kind of just a different uh, twist on the way like a futurist book could go, and I think that that was really interesting. I've read quite a few books that are set in the future, and this is the first one that really kind of took the path that it did. So in the Scythe Trilogy, they basically 
the main concept they're dealing with is population control. And it's it's done really, really well. There's uh, three, I guess, technically three and a half books in the series, and they're definitely well worth the read. Anderson convinced me to read them. And um, even though I was a little reluctant at first, I, I ended up absolutely crushing the series because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it was just that different viewpoint that I think that really appealed to me. And it just sets it apart from any other futuristic book set about the current society of uh, Earth. Another book that kind of plays on the idea of the future that is definitely one of my favorites is Ready Player One. Uh, This book kind of plays around with the idea of how virtual reality will affect humans in the future and just kind of the way we live our lives. And it is a really, really good book. And what is kind of fun about it is while they're paying so much attention to what could potentially happen in the future, there's a lot of little Easter eggs and references to things that happened in the past in the 80s. And so it's kind of an interesting way to tie both those things together. So there's always like this new, there's always a new thing that pops up. They're like, oh yeah, like I know this because it's a big pop culture thing from the 80s. Um, So that's another book that I have really enjoyed. Um, I will say that even though there is a movie about it, the movie is very, very different. So if you've seen it and you're like, oh, well, I don't know if I was crazy about that, like definitely I would give the book a try. I think that's one of the things to keep in mind when you are reading books that there is a movie on is that you just kind of have to think of them as two separate things or else you'll be disappointed in what what was actually kept in the movie compared to the book. Yeah, and it's really hard to compare like a movie with a book because, you know, if you've read the book first and then you go watch the movie, you already knew what was going to happen in the story. So that like empty mind space about this like topic is it's gone. You always are going to be shifted one way. So you can't really like compare. And it's the same thing if you watch the movie first and then you go to the book. Like, you're just going to spend the entire time you're reading the book comparing to see, like, how close is this to the movie? And so I think that that's why a lot of people, they walk away and they're like, oh, I prefer the book over the movie or the movie over the book. It tends to be, which did you read first or which did you see first? So another book that is more futuristic is called Project Hail Mary by Andy Ware. He also wrote the the Martian series. He's also written a bunch of other uh, futuristic science fiction novels as well. Uh, But this one really stood out to me because it showed a different problem that you haven't really seen. So it's talking about some sort of alien microbe species that is kind of siphoning away the sun's energy and um, they need to figure out how to get the species to stop taking the sun's energy to keep earth from having a climate disaster. So they send this dude up with two other crewmates, but uh, his other crewmates had uh, some complications and they were traveling just to find some solution to this. And they encounter an alien species and They do eventually find a solution, but it is kind of interesting because it develops a relationship between this alien and this human that has never been seen in another book. And that's just kind of the thing that set this book apart for me. 
Yeah, it's really cool because we've seen the alien story get played out so many times in tons of books. But in Project Hail Mary, kind of the big thing that's different is we see this relationship happen and get played out not on Earth. They both like meet each other in these circumstances where they're like, we didn't think we would run into each other. So it's like, also, it's like the human is talking to the alien is like, well, this is kind of weird, but it's also like the alien being like, well, I was not expecting this either. So you're trying to figure them both out at the same time. And that's kind of just very different for this type of space, I feel like. But one of the things I really appreciate about the way that Andy Weir writes these books, because he also wrote The Martian, is that he does a lot of like scientific study behind these before he writes the book. So if you are like well-versed in a lot of the scientific principles and things like that, they hold up in this book. So it's very easy to read it and go, yeah, I, I really could see this happening. And even today, like The Martian, which is another one of his books, probably his most popular book, it still holds up very well. And amongst a lot of scientists, they'll say like, if you want to find a book that's like fiction, but is still very scientifically accurate, this is probably one of the best books you can read. Outside of a lot of the fiction that um, Anderson and I read, I also do read a fair amount of nonfiction. I enjoy like biographies and I'm just like histories of some of the things that have happened. So some of my favorite books, you know, that are in the nonfiction area is um, Creative Inc., which is actually a book written by Ed Catmull about how Pixar was founded and kind of the principles that guide Pixar to keep the creativity alive over and over again as they've been making the movies that they do. I've always been a huge fan of Pixar, but it's really interesting to see on the other side, like how they're able to keep this alive because it's pretty crazy the number of huge successful films that they've had. And really, they owe that to the way that their company has been run from the very beginning and that the Creative Ink book covers how they do all of that. And it's just really interesting way to look at like concepts of things you can put in your life to help yourself stay creative. Another one that is nonfiction is Steve Jobs. And I just really enjoyed this book. It's very interesting to hear about this guy's story that has had such a huge impact on the way the whole world functions today. Yeah, so nonfiction books are very interesting, but uh, sometimes they're very big and that kind of intimidates me. So I always try to find some kind of historical fiction. And an example of this is The Four Winds, which was written by Kristen Hanna. And she has written many historical fiction novels uh, such as The Nightingale, which is the first book that I read. And I realized that her books are really well written, and I feel like they're historically accurate compared to what I have learned in school. The Four Winds is about a family in the Dust Bowl where they struggle to have successful crops in the prairie, so they have to leave to create some form of a better life while trying to keep their family together. And it's just a very family-based book while also being historically accurate, and you kind of get to see it from that family's point of view and those struggles. And I found it to be really realistic compared to um, what I learned in my U.S. history class this year. And that's kind of one of my favorite things about historical fiction is that I can compare it to what I have knowledge about and have already learned and see 
how realistic that it actually is. Yeah, there's a lot of benefit to historical fiction, and I like when people can kind of take a story that actually happened and kind of add in some little bits here and there to kind of maybe fill in the gaps and just give you the idea of like, maybe this could have happened. And I always find that really interesting. The last one here that I kind of want to talk about, because I've just got like this huge range of favorites that I have is Harry Potter. And I know that like so many people out there, you know, really love these stories. And it's a very popular thing to be a favorite book, but I have always really enjoyed the Harry Potter series. I would definitely agree with Anderson that it's kind of one of those things that kind of kicked off a lot of the excitement that I had around reading. And I still probably read these books every other year. And it's just something that's really, really enjoyable. And I just like the story and that it's one of those books that like so early on gets you this idea of like, I can read a book and just be transported to a completely different place. And that's one of my favorite things about reading. Yeah. And that feeling can kind of be experienced in this next book that I want to talk about, which is called The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend, which was written by Katerina Bivald. This is a book that is not in a series and it in the beginning it seems kind of like a mystery but it really isn't it's more about the transformation of a small town that is just dying there's no way to explain it there's no one is coming into the town there's no really good businesses there there's this one person who comes in called sarah she loves books and she is flying internationally to the town of Broken Wheel, and she decides that she is going to open a bookstore. But she can't stay for long, and she can't technically earn money through this, so she has to donate all of the money back into her business, into this business, to keep it thriving and help support the town. But then she eventually decides that she wants to stay, and then she gets married, but they still want to send her back to her home country. So it's very intense more towards the end, but it's definitely just a, and it's just an easy read and it's just, it's really fun and you don't really have to think too hard while you read it. And sometimes those kinds of reads are really nice. Yeah, I definitely have found lately that I've picked up more books that are just easy and simple to read. And sometimes it's nice to just kind of like really split that all up because if you're constantly reading books that are just like really intense and you have to think about it, just, it can become exhausting really, really quick. And you know, I think that's something people forget a lot is you just read what you want to read whenever you want to read it. Like you don't have to always be reading this thing that is super complex. So with that topic in mind, Anderson and I wanted to go ahead and share our reading goals with you for the entire year. So it's a good idea to kind of just set yourself a reading goal. It doesn't matter how long that goal is, like whether it's a year, a month, or even just a week, um, you know, just set yourself a goal so that you kind of keep reading and you just have something to shoot for. And it's helpful to write it down or share it with somebody else. So we're going to just go ahead and do that. And then, you know, you can keep us all accountable. So for me personally, I'm trying to read one book a week for the entire year. So that means that I will be reading 53 books this year. And um, I have no clue how many books I read last year because I forgot to count and Audible actually only tracks it in minutes. And then on Libby, I can't just like, well, I can pull like a report that shows every book that I checked out in the last year. 
but I don't know if I actually finished all of them. So this year I'm trying to be much more diligent about marking what books I actually finished. And um, I'm like way further in this goal than I felt like I should be. I feel like I've got like 20 books read this year already, but a lot of them are shorter books. And so there are some long books that I want to be getting to, and there's no way I can finish some of these huge books in one week. So I was able to kind of get ahead so that I can keep up with it. Yeah. My reading goal for this year is to just read more books than I did last year. So last year I read 27 books, and then the year before that, which was 2021, I read 32 books. Lately, I have been struggling to read, mostly because of how busy I am with homework and all of these things that I have to do for different clubs. So my goal is just to read more books than I did last year, and for just a ballpark figure, I'm just thinking 35 in my head, and if I get more or less, as long as it's more than 27, I'll be happy. And your reading goal does not have to be completing books. You know, I think that that's like the easiest one you can set to say, I want to finish all these books. But like, if you have a goal that's closing books and I am definitely guilty of it, even if there's a book that I'm like hating, I still feel like I have to finish it because it's like, well, at least I like can log that towards my goal. But like, you just need to not be afraid to put a book down that you don't like, cause it's going to stop you from reading. Um, but like, uh, you know, set a goal, whatever, whatever it is for you. You know, it can be like read this many number of pages. It can literally, it could literally just be like, I want to pick a, uh, I want to pick a genre that I like, you know, and find that or find a book series that I like. And those things are just a little bit harder to measure, but they're also like reasonable and realistic goals. So you know, set whatever works for you, I think. Yeah. That's kind of one of the things about reading is that people, try to kind of bully, not bully you, but they kind of make you think that you have to, you have to finish a book that you're reading or that you have to read X amount of books a year to be considered a reader. But as long as you read and you enjoy reading, it shouldn't matter what everyone else thinks. Yeah. And I'll even add to that, that like, if you're not enjoying what you're reading or you're not having fun while you're reading, like Anderson just said, you're probably just reading the wrong books. It's not really fair to just say like, I hate reading because I haven't been enjoying myself while I do it. It's like, well, then you're just reading wrong books. Like ask somebody around you, you know, go to your library or whatever, you know, send us a message, like do something, but like pick different books because I'm sure there is a book out there that is for you. And don't let anybody tell you that the type of book you're reading is not a real book. Like, I listen to audiobooks all the time. So I don't sit there and, you know, actually read the pages. Somebody else is reading these to me, but I still consider it reading. And that's why I'm able to get through way more books is because I don't have to sit down. Like when I'm doing the dishes at home, I can read a book. On my drive to work, I can also read a book. So I can get through things significantly faster. But there's this other like stigma out there that if you're reading a comic book, like, that's not a real book or things like that. It's like, mm, you're still reading. It's a book. Who really cares what anybody else says? Just do what, do what you enjoy doing. And if that's reading, great. 
So if you're looking for additional books that you want to read, you know, you have a hard time coming up with that books to be read list or whatever, you know, we are going to try to do some of that in this podcast. So part of the podcast that we want to do is kind of like a semi book club variation of this. So Anderson, what do we want to do? So as part of the Bookworm Collective, we wanted to have the opportunity to read a book with all of our listeners. And to do this, we have picked one book for each month that we can read together. At the end of the month, we're going to release an episode that takes a deeper look into the book and shares our thoughts. You know, we would love to know what you think. So feel free to reach out on our Instagram or our Facebook page and just send us, you know, some thoughts on what you thought of the book. So we decided for the month of April that we will be reading The Kingdom of Fantasy by Geronimo Stilton. So a brief overview of this book. Um, This book is an exciting and magical adventure that takes readers on a journey through a fantastical world filled with talking animals, ancient kingdoms, and enchanted objects. The story follows Geronimo Stilton, a mouse journalist, as he discovers a mysterious map that leads him to a kingdom of fantasy. Once there, he must embark on a dangerous quest to save the kingdom from an evil queen and her army of ferocious beasts. So this book is definitely aimed more towards younger audiences, but that doesn't mean that this book is only for kids. So join us in reading this book and join the discussion on April 26th. That is going to bring us to the end of this episode. You can find The Bookworm Collective on Instagram at the underscore bookworm collective and on Facebook at The Bookworm Collective. Thanks for listening. You can catch our next episode on March 15th, where we'll be talking about the books that we are reading in March. Mm